Well, hello. Welcome back to Clarity. This is our one-year journey as a church where we're hoping to see Jesus more clearly. I'm Garland, and uh, uh, today's episode, what we're going to do is we're going to actually link in to a three-part conversation that we had on our podcast, Out of Curiosity. We asked where we're trying to seek biblical clarity for modern questions, and uh, we did a three-part conversation uh, on injustice. How do Christians engage with injustice in the world uh, at, a, at a macro level, and then specifically in our country, racial injustice? And so uh, part two of that conversation, uh, Roland just invited uh, a couple of uh, black people here in our community to share their, their, their emotions, their feelings, their hope, what they pray for. And uh, it was just a really, really fruitful conversation that really blessed me just to be able to listen and hear. And so uh, we're going to link into that conversation here on Clarity. Hope you enjoy. As we continue in our conversation about racial injustice, um, we really thought it was important to set aside time to hear from African-American Jesus followers in our community um, and, and just to let them speak into what they're feeling what they see the Lord doing, what they hear from Scripture, and what they would say to the church. And so uh, I got to sit down in two different conversations with, uh, with good friends, um, Warren Moore and Angela Hines, and uh, the conversations were rich and helpful for me, and, uh, and I hope they are for you as well. Uh, like you said, I'm Warren Moore, and I guess I will describe myself like I do when I'm talking to people at work, um, kind of the four pillars of who I am. I, I am, uh, I first said, and I'm a I'm a principle-based leader, um, and those principles are based off my Christian beliefs. Uh, I'm a person that loves competition and to compete, um, and you have to balance that with doing it the right way. Um, I, I hate being put in a box. Um, I think people try to box you in at times to label you uh, and to limit you. And then I love building deep, lasting relationships. And uh, and so that's a little bit about who I am. I'm a, I'm a husband. Um, I have four beautiful daughters, um, Ariel, Aubrey, Addison, and Aaron. And my beautiful wife, Anisha, and I just celebrated 14 years of marriage. So 14 years? Yeah. I'm Angela Hines. I am. <laughs> I'm a friend. I'm a worshiper. I am a... Uh, a person who's passionate and loves people. Um, I'm currently employed at Tyson Foods and I work in HR where my job is to help people adapt to change. Mm. So I'm an organizational change manager. Well, so let's just jump right into the heavy stuff. Um, there's no, no real way around it. Um, so, so many of us were just, just horrified and confused um, when we saw that video. Of, of George Floyd's death and killing. And the way I've, the way I've said it is when, when you see one horrible incident, that's hard. But when you know a horrible incident is a part of something bigger, that, that incident's not isolated. It's a, it's a part of something bigger and it, it brings up a whole lot of other feelings and questions. So just to start, like how, how are you processing your feelings um, over the last couple of weeks? So I'll tell you a story kind of how it really hit me over this last uh, week or so because, you know, we've been de de dealing with this for some time. Mm -hmm. and But um, last week, um, I celebrated my oldest daughter, Ariel, graduating college, so we moved her out of college. Me and Anisha celebrated 14 years of marriage, and I had a birthday, May 30th. And so in the midst of that celebration, that week long, 
uh, celebration, there was one day that stands out to me, and that's when my wife, Anisha, came in crying. And she was crying tears like when you lose a loved one. And I know those tears because she just recently lost her mother. So it was the same type of tears. And so instantly I'm like, what's wrong? Who, what happened? And she looks at me and says that I'm afraid that when you leave the house, that people won't see you like I do as a husband, a father, Christian man, a lover of people, but they will see your size and they will see you as an African-American male and you can potentially not come home to me. And, and that's when it hit because, you know, as a, it's, it's a foreign concept to many, but every day in America, I wake up and realize that I'm a black man in America. And, and you do, it's conscious. Yeah. And, and, and what others may re- wake up and not even think about it. And part of that is because you know you're living to, to get rid of stereotypes and to get rid of biases. Um, and so, you know, some of it I probably have normalized because it's been happening for a while. Um, and so to see the groundswell that's happening around this, but to see how it affects my wife um, and worrying about me. And even last night I said I was going to take a drive just because it was night. Yeah. And she was like, worried. She said, where are you going? Why? Um, and so that's been, to me, probably the biggest uh, thing I've been processing here um, is, is, you know, the fact that you witness in these murders at the hand of police and police that should be here to serve and protect. And, um, you know, just the, the racial injustice. Um, but, but I'm encouraged. I mean, we're here. Uh, even though this is heavy, I'm encouraged because people are listening. Yeah. We're having this conversation today. Right. And the people that are listening. And so, you know, we're doing this today to open up, to be vulnerable, to talk, uh, to start the dialogue. And then dialogue, with dialogue, um, we hope there's education. And then with education around the issue, uh, we can change. And so yeah. that's what we're here for today. And thanks for thanks for opening up the door into your home mm-hmm. and just letting us see where with a very you know it's easy for a, a headline to be a headline, yeah. but when you open it up into a family and go, this is how the headline yeah. reads in a home. It's 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 important. Mm-hmm. It's important for us to hear. I've spent a lot of time journaling and trying to really quiet all of the noise mm-hmm. because more than anything. Um, during this entire season, there's just a lot of noise. And through that, God has just illuminated his word to me. Um, And I've been able to have some conversations with people who really have questions about what is happening, what's going on. So it's allowed me an opportunity to kind of steal away and kind of go into a place with the Lord where I'm able to process my emotions and my feelings in the way that I need to, in order to be open and gracious to people who just have sincere questions. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been hard. And quite honestly, it's almost like having PTSD. Mm. It's like this is a trigger. Because this is not something that has happened for the first time. It is something that has been continuous uh, throughout the black community. 
um, and through our history, uh, just the violence enacted against a, a certain people group. Now, I'm not saying that we're the only people group, but it seems like there's just been this target, you know, mm-hmm. for years. Mm-hmm. So you 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 see that video, and that that carries with you, that that brings the emotion of a history and a story. Um, oh yeah, that brings so much more. Yeah, it was 30 years ago that Rodney King was beat by the police, and we saw what that looked like, and it was almost the the same stirring of those feelings and emotions. And I think George Floyd was just the cherry on top of what had already started building from uh, Trayvon Martin, from Ahmaud Aubrey, and then Breonna Taylor. And then most recently, uh, I think it's Christian Cooper, the bird watcher. Mm-hmm. So it's just the cherry, cherry on top. And with that, lots of feelings, lots of emotions and, um, more than anything, God has just shown me that the year 2020 is a year of God giving clear vision. Mm. You know, 2020 is what you want to have when it comes to your vision. Um, And through the pandemic, uh, God has allowed me to check myself and see uh, the things that those idols that I didn't have time to see because I was just going, going, going. Um, And those things that I needed him to break my heart over. And then at the same time, now with the civil unrest that we're having, I'm able to see that some people don't get it. Some of the same things are still happening, but because there's videos now, Mm -hmm. there's proof and evidence, we are really being believed. And then how do I pray? How do I walk this out in a way that is honoring to God? That's honoring to the culture, Mm -hmm. you know, black Mm -hmm. community. And that allows me to serve as a bridge. Yeah. That's so good. Something that, that you said that maybe triggered a question for me, you talked about creating space for yourself to feel. Um, that's what you did in your prayer and your journaling. Um, I think our, our dream would be, that the church can be a communal space to feel, mm. a safe space. Yeah. I know that's not always the case. Mm-hmm. Um, for, for a church that wants to love the black community in our midst, any thoughts on how we can make the church a safe space to feel? Hmm. That is a great question. And one of the things that I think that has to happen is that the church has got to be okay with feelings. <laughs> right? <laughs> Let's be real. <laughs> yeah. And we haven't so, been a lot of times. Exactly. So that's the first thing. The church has to be okay with feelings. And then you have to understand that people are going to process feelings a lot differently than you do. And you cannot take personally, the way a person plays out their emotions, because the the minute that someone doesn't feel safe to be who they are and process the way that they need to, it's shut down. They're done. 
Yeah. Hmm. So that is the first thing. And I think to be able to do that comes at second thing is to be able to identify what are the, what are some of the prejudices, some of the mindsets that I already have about a certain community of people that will prevent me or from allowing them to be a safe place to feel. Yeah. Things I think about is I saw a sign that one of the protesters was carrying that says, I'm not a threat. Mm. And I have a personal experience where I was going through some things um, that were triggered by some physical stuff. Mm -hmm. I'm a woman, so it was hormones, okay? Let's just be real. (laughs) (laughs) You have a wife. You understand the hormones. I do. (laughs) (laughs) So um, in the midst of me struggling to figure out what's going on with my body, to allow those medications to do what they need it to do, I expressed to someone close to me, you know, this is how I'm feeling. And that person took it personally. Mm. And, did, and instead of leaning in to get more clarity, they pulled away. Ugh. And that's what happens. Mm-hmm. That's what happens when you, one, um, have a bias that, oh, people of color, are when they get angry, they get violent. Mm. Okay? Yeah, yeah. And two, when they get angry, I'm unsafe. Mm. Yeah. And you're then people of color will never be safe to share if that's the perception every time they feel a raw emotion that they immediately exactly. are, are scared of being put in that box. Mm-hmm. I heard someone share um, just yesterday that when we're uncomfortable with someone else's emotions, we either withdraw or we attack. Yes, those are our two. If if I if I can't handle what you're feeling right now. I'm mm-hmm. either going to run away from you or try to shut you down. And what we really need is we need to move toward their pain. Exactly. And that's what I hear you saying is we just, people, don't, don't, don't run away and don't shut them down. Exactly. Um, in order to be a safe place and, and not just for people of color to be a safe place. And, and I love that you said that we either shut people attack or run away. That is what happens for people of color, but also for people who are, who may have some racist bias or prejudice bent. They, they, they need to be educated. So we have to have that grace and that compassion to be able to remain unemotional, to have the conversations and to learn from each other. Yeah. I mean, that, that sounds like the work of the spirit of God right there. I'm telling, yes. And I'm t- it's so funny because I would describe myself as a manager of chaos. Okay. I mean, change is chaos. Yeah. And change is hard. It's painful. It's emotional. Mm-hmm. So I think one thing that makes me good at my job is that, I can set my emotions aside and listen to the person who's in front of me so that I can help them 
come to a solution so that we can get to that end result. Yeah. And we all have to take on that mindset of change managers. That's good. In, in a season where there is so much pain, chaos, fear, anger, um, people are grieving. Mm-hmm. And Paul tells us that, by the way, grieving is good. And he tells mm-hmm. us that as believers, we can grieve with hope. What gives you hope right now? You know, you have to, um, because the last thing that that any, um, I'm going to say, and, and I'm careful to speak from my my sure. perspective and not on behalf of all African-American people, but uh, or black people here in America, I would say that um, we as a people don't want necessarily pity. Mm-hmm. So what we want is equality yeah. and to be seen the same, right? Um, what gives me hope, I'll go back to how I introduce myself. Mm-hmm. It is um, uh, my hope is in God. And you know, the scripture tells us what I look to the hills, what's coming, my help, mm-hmm. and my help coming for the Lord. So I know that God is in control. And my wife says that all the time. She says, I can remember anytime we've dealt with these, you remind me that God is in control. And so that's where my hope is. Um, I would also say, and there's so much hope in the fact that people are leaning in and not shying away that that the message is is being heard mm-hmm. and that we're seeing CEOs and companies and powerful leaders and leaders of all sorts that is not just African American or black um, community saying that this is happening. Everybody's recognizing. And I think when you get that, um, you can get changes. So that's what uh, was giving me hope, um, you know, really today. Um, first, it starts with my faith. Um, and then that faith, you know, and you look at people. And I, I've said this to people throughout the week that I believe that there are so many more good people than evil. And I'm, and I'm confident that love conquers hate. Mm. And, uh, and so if we, if we wrap ourselves in the image of God, which is love, yeah. um, that we can, we can comfort, conquer this. And uh, so I'm encouraged by that. Let me tell you what gives me hope. I um, was preparing for Sunday morning. Um, where I'm a member at Life Church here in Rogers. And Craig uh, Grishel, who's my pastor, my senior pastor, spoke about how the church should respond to racism. And I was like, okay, Lord, where are we going? I need to be in the word. How we're going to, how are we going to, how do I need to prepare my heart? And he took me to Ephesians two, where it talks about basically the work of Christ dying to break the wall between the Jews and the Gentiles. And I love the fact that it was Jews and Gentiles It wasn't black people and white people. (laughs) It it was two things. Uh, It was Jews who were the called and the chosen of God. And it was the Gentiles, those who did not know. Mm -hmm. They did not know God. So he tore down the wall so that we could be reconciled back to God and to each other, to have that unity with each other. And, That just really, I just sat in that, I sat in that for a while on Saturday night. And I think the language that was used that really got me 
was because was the fact that hold on, let me find it real quick. Mm-hmm. It said in verse 14. So Ephesians two verse 14 for Christ himself has brought peace to us. He united Jews and Gentiles into one people when in his own body on the cross, he broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. And it just reminds me that in this whole chaos, there is peace to be found in Jesus. Mm -hmm. This is the time we should be sharing the gospel. Mm -hmm. This is the time for discipling. Yeah. Discipling people in the word of God so they know the word of God and they understand the unity that is expected from us. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when I think about what Christ did, he was not, and it's going back to those feelings and being safe to be have your feelings. Like Christ felt some stuff. Yeah. He cried. Yes. You know? The full range. The Anger, sadness, grief. Yes. Yeah. Yes. He even turned over tables. Yeah. But it it makes me think about the passion of Christ. Mm-hmm. It was his passion that caused that. And when people mistake passion for anger, Mm. there's always going to be a misunderstanding. So when we look at the word and we look at the life of Christ and we take that and we apply it to where we are today and our need for him, it gives me hope that this is the, the launching pad for the revival that people have been praying for yeah. mm. and for Jesus to come back again. Cause I'm telling you what, <laughs> when all of this is coming on, I'm trying to figure out what chapter of revelations we're in. Okay. Come, come Lord come, <laughs> right. Yeah. Oh. And so encouraging that you point out, it's not like as followers of Christ, we don't have a, a, uh, an example of the church having to work through racial issues. I mean, mm-hmm. that was like the first big challenge of the church is how do we take these people that have a whole lot of preconceived notions about each other who are used to being enemies and have history of being enemies and unite them as one people. That's like a large chunk of the New Testament. And so yeah. we've got a roadmap of, of how the gospel speaks into that. It's not like we are without anything to say from the Lord on this issue. Amen. I mean, that's it. But I think the biggest issue is cultural Christianity mm-hmm. and biblical followers of Christ. Where do we fall in that scope? Yep. Because we talk about, we talk about our country being founded on Christian principles. Ugh, yeah. There's a lot of things that can be said about that. Yes. Um, and when we talk when we talk race, we think about you went and got people from another country, stole them, took everything from them, brought them here to make them slaves. Yeah. And then use the Bible to manipulate and to control. So that's the culture and, and, and there's the biblical aspect of it. And though what people don't understand is the things that have been done cultural I mean, historically mm-hmm. have such an impact on the overall cultural 
stance of the black community. Yeah. And if we fail to understand that, then you're, you're go- you don't see the whole picture and you're going to miss and you're going to misinterpret and misunderstand. We, we were in another conversation reading Amos 2 and Amos is preaching against the sins of the nations. And one of the things they list over and over again is you went to your neighbor and you took them as slaves. Mm. And I'm Come going, on. oh man, the U.S. would make the list of Amos 2. And, uh, and, and, you know, just like, you know, the Boston Tea Party sets mm-hmm. our culture as a nation, as a people who fight off tyranny, mm-hmm. the enslavement of peoples affects our culture as a people, as a nation. And that's right. we can't pretend that's not there. We can't celebrate the beauty of America without also grieving the sins of America. Those, those are both part of our story. Yeah. Yeah. And I just think that along with what's happening overall in our nation, this is the prime opportunity for us to repent call in the name of Jesus mm-hmm. and ask him to heal our land. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, for, for America to heal right now, for that love to conquer hate, well, what has to happen? What, what is, what do you see as, as the way forward? Yeah. Um, it's, it's, you talk, you know, we talk about hope. Um, and I go back to, to scripture again. One of my favorite stories in the Bible is the story around Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And, um, you know, when they were about to be thrown into the fire, that faith to say that I know he's able, even if he doesn't, I know that God is able. Uh, And so in this, um, again, going back there so we know he's able, I think the other part around this is for people to embrace what's going on the first step is don't start necessarily with the protests and some of the bad things that we've seen sure. um, because no one condones looting and that. But understand where it comes from. It's from a place of frustration. And so the first thing I would say is have a perspective on the message and what is being communicated and what we're standing against. And I say we, I mean American people right now are standing against. Um, then I think there has to be education and education to the fact of understanding where all this race comes from. I, you know, I tell people, when you think about other countries, if you're from Italy, you're Italian. If you're from France, you're French. If you're from Spain, you're Spanish. <laughs> if you're from Mexico, you're Mexican. Right. If you're from Puerto Rico, you're Puerto Rican. Here in America, we have black and white, right? We should be Americans, and so when you go back to you know, to the to the fabric of, of how the country was built. And it's, it really started around indentured servants. Mm-hmm. And so indentured servants were, at that time, European and African descent. And then it became this social construct around race so you can identify who's, who's who, and then you can, you can begin to dehumanize right. when I call you black, so a dehumanize. And because of that dehumanization, then you can treat people different. And they were socially constructed as to one race being superior to the other. But when you look at genetics, we are we are 98.9998% the same. Um, Nick, what, what I need and what you need around food, shelter, 
and housing is is consistent. What we want for our kids, right, yeah. to have opportunity um, to 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 get education, to 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 live out their dreams, is all the same. And and so I think if we understand that this thing is socially constructed, and that you will hear. Um, you know, racism itself is a system. And, and what I mean by that is, is that the system or the, the, or the institutions or the social uh, bodies around people having opportunity to resources, uh, people being able to control their own destiny, mm-hmm. uh, people having position or a chance to have a seat at the table. Those systems, when they're coupled with people who have racial prejudice, meaning they feel one race is higher than the other, is when you get this system of racism. And so educating that we're all the same, educating the fabric here, realizing that we aren't different, we want the same. And then how do we think through and work collectively to stamp out um, racism and evil? And I will say even from the, from the black community, how does the black community be open? Uh, part of this is the dialogue is, we have to be open uh, and assume positive intent. So when you come ask a question or you want to know, then I'm open to sit down and have the dialogue. Yeah. Um, and so that's the other part of it is, is, is on this side. So I think together, if we're educated, we're willing to tackle this. Um, to me, that'll be the path forward. And then you can get change, whether it's in the justice system, whether it's in the economical system, whether it's in, uh, you name it, our institution, educational um, is how I see the path forward. And I think the church is what God calls on, yeah. right? So uh, he wants us to go out and be that beacon and witness and be the ones who um, who uh, take the lead in this. Um, and I, I'll say this, I don't consider myself an activist, uh, but I do think that this is a time where we all should be talking. Yeah. And um, as we're talking, it opens the door, and, and that's my commitment as I'm a part of this fellowship body. Yeah. And uh, as part of that body, uh, I want to do my part. And, and so anybody, uh, just like we've had the dialogue and reached out and sit here today, wants to talk and learn more, I'll share my perspective. And I think that helps uh, us all us all heal and um, move forward. Wow. Man, I, I, I've often said in my life, Nick, I've, I've had um, tremendous opportunity in this country, and I and I and I I would want to live anywhere else. Um, and um, at the same time, you know, have I witnessed or have I had some bad acts? Yes, um, but yeah, um, you know, God, He loves us all. It's the God of all people. Yeah. And um, and and Jesus died for us all, and mm-hmm. uh, you know I think you know what what we've been uh, walking through here in Claret and getting to know Him and the messages and the fact that He laid down His life for us and He gave us the example. Uh, what greater love mm-hmm. than a man lay down his life for another? Um, and so I think the the courage for people to speak up when they see injustice because, you know, uh, there's this this movement to make sure people know the difference versus being um, a non-racist versus I'm anti. 
And anti is to stamp out, is to call out, is to get rid of. Right. And um, and that's what we all want to do it. And and in the name of love, you yeah. know, uh, uh, it doesn't have to be vengeful. In, in the name of love. In the name God. of love. When uh, when you think about, uh, I love the way you've called us back over and over again to discipleship, um, <laughs> because this issue is not one that is like a side issue from discipleship. Like right. discipleship will change the way we treat other image bearers. Um, and so y- you brought up in our email exchange before doing this that you thought this, the second commandment actually is crucial. T- take us there. Teach us a little bit. Come on now. Love your neighbor as yourself. Mm. So I've been reading um, a book by John Eldridge okay. uh, called Get Your Back Life. Get okay. your life back. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Okay. And in this book, he talks about loving ourselves. Mm-hmm. And one thing that it kind of brought to my mind um, is the fact that if we don't love ourselves well, we cannot love each other well. Mm-hmm. So what does it look like to love ourselves well? Well, the first thing we have to do is make the right assessment of who we are. Mm. We have to acknowledge our shortfalls, our our sins, uh, the idols that we tend to build over and over again in our lives. If we can't be real with ourselves, how are we going to be real with God so that he can heal us? Yeah. And when I am able to see myself for who I am and my need for Christ, it helps me to look at my neighbor in a way that has compassion in a way that wants me to make sure that they know Jesus Mm -hmm. and also to come alongside them in unity and not in opposition. So those are just a few of the things, but it's in this season how do you love yourself well so that you can love others well? Mm. And if we are not doing that deep work, if we are not in the word, if we are not letting the word of God wash us, rebuke us, Mm -hmm. reprove us, like if we're not doing that and we don't have the accountability, we will never be able to love our neighbors as ourselves. Mm. So good. So good. When I, when I think about that, it makes me even think about the fact, and I love that you call us image bearers and to see each other as image bearers. It makes me think about what I've learned about marriage. Now I've not been married. Mm -hmm. I almost got there, but one of the things that uh, I learned from a book that I read was that marriage, first of all, is not for your happiness. It's for your holiness. That's good. And I think that that is the truth for all relationships. Mm-hmm. And with that, there are going to be times where you, you're in a relationship with somebody and you find that there's a place in you that needs to be sharpened. So what happens is that relationship becomes a mirror. Yeah. And you can do one or two things. You can either lean in, figure out where that plank is and kind of how to get it out. (laughs) Or you can be like, I don't look like that. That's crazy. So 
that is where we are. Yeah. This relationship between uh, the black community and um, and especially within the body of Christ, mm-hmm. um, being able to sit with each other, to talk with each other, and allow that mirror to reflect to us where we have misconceptions, erroneous application of the word of God, and uh, just plain old sin in our heart yep. is so important. Uh, but more than anything right now, I think we just need to listen mm. without any pretense, not to respond, just listen, yeah. listen deeply, mm. listen for the hurt, listen for the patterns that people have experienced, uh, listen to the lessons learned, listen for what God is saying in the midst of what they're saying. Mm. Um, to just meet people where they are, because that's what Jesus did for us. He met us where we were, and we've got to be able to do that to move forward. That's such a good word. Such a good word. Quick to listen, slow to speak. Amen. <laughs> so good. Angela, you have, you've discipled us well today. I really appreciate it, and I appreciate just you speaking um, from your heart. I love the way you, you, you speak from Scripture, and, and you let God's Word shape what, what comes out of your mouth. This is good stuff. Well, thank you. Thanks for your time. Yeah. Thanks for your walk with the Lord. Thanks for the way you lead your family and you're leading us as a church right now. Oh, Appreciate man. you. Thank you for the opportunity and uh, know that I, seriously, I, my family is blessed by fellowship and uh, I love our leaders. Um, and uh, Mickey, Sam, Abel, who I've come to know closely, Bart, you now, Nick, and all our leaders around, uh, I know we're prayerful. Uh, whether it's dealing with, you know, COVID and that part, we're prayerful about when we come back and uh, and what we put in front of the body. And so uh, thank you for this opportunity. Thank you for your heart in hosting this. And, uh, man, we'll stand together uh, for change. So uh, I appreciate you. I'm putting you on the spot because I did not tell you I was going to do this, but would, would you mind just praying for us? Yeah, no problem. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for another day. Lord, we thank you for who you are and We know that you are in control. Lord, we just come to you right now, and we just thank you. We thank you for the body of Christ. We thank you for each and every person who is tuned in to listen to this conversation. And Lord, right now, on behalf of of the church, on behalf of our nation, God, we ask for forgiveness. We ask for forgiveness for Uh, not loving others as we love ourselves. Father, we ask for forgiveness where we have not loved you well, and we've not followed your word in how we should respond and how we should align and correct. Lord, we just ask your forgiveness. Lord, we know that you told us the greatest commission is love. And so we we're standing here today in love, united in arms. Lord, we know our country is hurting. But we know that as a as a church that we can do our part in order to move this world forward. Lord, we thank you for all of the diversity that you created. Lord, we thank you for your infinite wisdom. Lord, we thank you for the example you gave us in Jesus. We thank you for the word. 
that lives with us every day that we can read and that's our guide to life. And we thank you, Lord, for the paraclete, the Holy Spirit that lives within each of us. And Lord, as you forgive us, we believe that we receive your forgiveness in Jesus name. And we ask that you make us one in you. We ask that your churches, Lord, will start to look like the heaven that we preach. Mm -hmm. Father, we ask that you will continue to break down the wall of dissension, of anger, of offense, of misunderstanding, Lord. Because you came, you sent your son so that we could become one, God. And that is our prayer. I pray for each and every leader across the United States, Lord, that you will speak wisdom, you will speak peace, and you will lead them well as they face the challenges that have erupted from this. Father, I pray that they will not run, but they will lean into it. And I ask that you send brothers and sisters from all races and nationalities to stand beside them shoulder to shoulder, preaching one God, one Savior in one way. Lord, we ask that through the power of your Holy Spirit, you just continue to unite our hearts uh, and unite us walking together hand in hand in a way that will honor you and that will ultimately glorify, magnify your kingdom. And Father, we thank you for the hearts and the lives that will come to you as we move forward in this. And we thank you for the revival that is to come. And so, Lord, we ask that you continue to bless this church body. You continue to bless our leaders. Lord, you continue to bless this nation as it heals. And we know that you are able. We praise you. We thank you. We count these things done in the name of Jesus. And it's in your darling son, Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.